Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a Silver Linings edition of the HHC from Summer League. Hornets dropped to 0-2 in the California Classic, which took place in Sacramento, dropping one to the Golden State Warriors 98-83. to We'll break down the performance from number two overall pick Brandon Miller, the game as a whole, and give you our Silver Linings selections. One to let you know once again even though by the time you're listening to this the moratorium will have been lifted uh we are not a on-demand 24 hours a day podcast much as we try to be so we myself sam farber and rob longo my partner here today on the hhc are still in the moratorium not able to talk about free agency stuff that should be coming out for you starting tomorrow and trust me we've got a lot of thoughts on what's taking place here in free agency at large and of course what the hornets have been up to over the course of the moratorium so we'll get into that on our next edition of the hornets Hivecast. but to break down the loss to the golden state warriors he is my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, as well as the producer of this fine podcast, Rob Longo, here with me once again. Rob, a happy post-4th of July. Hopefully, you've still got all nine fingers and toes. I didn't know I only had nine, so I must have grew an extra one somewhere along the line, but yes, happy to be here. <laughs> well said, well said. All right, well, let's start things off with Brandon Miller. Uh, this is a 15-point loss here for the Charlotte Hornets. Clearly, several things went wrong for the team along the way, but the focal point for any summer league game is always on the first-round draft pick and even more so on one of those top five, a lottery, and, and even more so to another stratosphere when you're talking about the top three. That's the kind of rarefied air Brandon Miller is going to live in this summer league. And overall, I think there's a lot of ways to look at this from a positive standpoint, but when you see the number two overall pick only post six points and seven assists, that assist number is pretty good, but uh, certainly not leading to enough winning plays, that's going to draw a lot of eyeballs. So your thoughts here on performance number two from Brandon Miller. Yeah, one of the things that I posted on Twitter after the game is kind of an overall general thoughts that I had included the play of Brandon Miller. And yeah, I mean, when you look at the stat line, you think, well, it was very ineffective. He didn't do a whole lot out there. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not too worried about it. It's just one game. It's just summer league. I'm not worried about it in general. Uh, I mean, when you look at it, is this going to be something that is consistent night in and night out? No, I don't think so. But the passing really impressed me. I thought that he did a good job finding his teammates, handling the ball when he needed to on the offensive side. Defensively, I didn't see any lapses or anything like that in terms of breakdowns and letting players get to the rack rather easily. I thought he did a good job with his spacing out there. Yeah, there were a lot of fouls out there. He ended up with eight fouls, and a lot of those came in the first half. Once again, he had six in the first, and a lot of them might have been a little ticky-tack here or there, but I thought he did a really good job facilitating the ball when he was open and he took those shots. They looked really good. He had that corner three there in the fourth quarter, which I really, really liked. It was off a great feed from Bryce McGowan's. And I just envision that kind of situation playing out here in the fall when he's getting open looks in the corner from LaMelo Ball and maybe even Bryce McGowan's as well, too, in the second unit. But at the end of the day, I'm not too, too worried about this. It's just the second game of summer league. You're still trying to get your feet wet. So I don't think it's time to push the panic button as it is. 
No, no on the panic button. I'm not worried either. I thought there were a lot of good things that we saw, but let's clear the negative stuff out of the way here from Game 2. First off, way too many turnovers once again. He had four turnovers in this one. Uh, That's too much for a player of his caliber, even with all the attention on him. And then way, way, way too many fouls. He would have fouled out of both Summer League games. He would have fouled out in this one in the first half. He ends up with eight personal fouls on average over two games. He's averaging 6.5 fouls per game, so he's fouling out plus one. That's not what you want to see, and some of that is just adjusting to the speed of the NBA game, and there are other factors there as well. No doubt in my mind that's going to get cleaned up. He is a very, very good defender based off his time in college, so not a a real huge reason for concern, but it's something worth noting here. Clearly, Brandon Miller has a bullseye on him, as do all top picks. So one of two things needs to happen. Either one, he needs to be able to overcome that in terms of the one-on-one matchups with the other side's best defender and either just beat that person off the dribble and make plays happen, or he needs to make more of the plays that you reference, some of the assists that punish a defense for playing that way. And, and I thought he did an okay job of that. Seven assists led the team far and away. He had as many assists as the rest of the starting five combined. So I thought assist-wise, he was fine out there, but just making the defense pay for it. And part of that, too, is the rest of his teammates making and pay. There were a lot of possessions where Brandon Miller just wouldn't touch the ball. He'd be on the other side of things and they'd work through other players and that's okay if Brandon Miller is drawing so much attention that you get more advantageous matchups on that other side. But sometimes if he's just not involved, that doesn't have a chance to happen. So I would have liked to see more of that and that's more on his teammates, I would say, in playing towards his direction than anything else. Overall in Sacramento, he averages 12 points per game, four and a half rebounds per game, five assists per game. All those are okay to find to above average, quite frankly, for a first-round draft pick. Turnovers, high, four and a half per game. That's an issue. Fouls, big issue, six and a half fouls per game. Shooting percentages, I think you got to like what you saw. 46% from the floor overall, 44% from three. Uh, he goes 75% from the line. All of those numbers are really solid. You know, one more shot falls his way. He's a 50% shooter. One more free throw falls his way. He's an 80% free throw shooter. The only major thing I have, I think he needs to be the leading shot taker for the Hornets. You're the number two pick. You're not just someone who's going to be leaned on in these games. You're someone who could get leaned on pretty early in your regular NBA career, your regular season NBA career. So to never be the leading shot taker for the Hornets and your team losing by 17 points per game, that is the thing that I want to see cleaned up more in Las Vegas. Either he becomes more of a focal point. I think they mentioned on the television broadcast a couple of times, if they're going to lose by 15, I'd rather he ended up with whatever point total he had and taking 15 shots contested or not then settling for four even though the four were highly efficient good quality shots where more often than not he is making the right basketball play but his level of stardom comes with the responsibility to take more of the tough shots and not leave them to other players I understand that thought process, but at the same time, I don't know if I completely agree with that, Sam, just because you don't want to build bad habits. And I'm not saying that if you go out there and you take 20 shots that 
all of them are going to be really good looks or all of them are going to be really bad looks or anything like that, but there needs to be that fine balance between them. I understand if there's a shot clock coming down to the wire, you got to put a shot up, or if there's one where you're just kind of stuck and you got to put the ball up, that's fine too, but I just don't want someone to create those bad habits. I thought there were a couple times where, and again, we'll get to this in our second segment here coming up, but there were times where the ball stuck and there was some kind of that one-on-one basketball that's not really Hornets basketball that some of these rookies need to learn about, and they were taking bad shots. Some of his teammates were taking bad shots, and there were opportunities for Brandon Miller to be open, and it's just the teammates didn't get him the ball. So I don't know if I want my number two overall pick to go after that and just be that guy that can kind of drive to the lane and just put up these wild circus shots or anything like that. I like those good habits of taking those efficient shots, and I don't think that's an indictment on anybody really about one way or the other. Rather, that's Brandon thinking that he needs to take those efficient shots to be efficient from a field goal percentage standpoint and rather not just putting up shots just to put up shots. So I think it's a fine balance between the two. I didn't necessarily agree with that with what they were saying on the broadcast, but at the same time, I kind of understand it. So again, I think there's kind of that fine line, that tricky little balancing act that you have to figure out to get to that point. I think that's fair. I think we can both agree, though. Four shots is too few for the number two overall pick. The, the team needs to find him more looks. He needs to find himself a few extra. But overall, shooting percentages as advertised. He is a, a really top-notch shooter. He brings a lot to the table in that regard. And just continuing to operate with that bullseye on him, I think that's something that's enigmatic of any top pick is that ability to be the star of a team. He was that at Alabama. Hope is that he will be that at some point for the Charlotte Hornets overall. All. And certainly here in Summer League, the team kind of needs him to be a little bit more of that moving forward into Las Vegas. 98-83, the final score. Hornets fall to the Warriors 0-2 now in Summer League. We'll take a look at the rest of the squad and their performance as well as have silver linings when we return here on the Hornets Hivecast. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC, the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Rob, the team falling 98-83, to a couple of blowout losses, and certainly there's an aura of danger when you're, you're seeing these kinds of lopsided scores, and in particular, some really lopsided quarters along the way. There was one, uh, the third quarter, 29-15, to Charlotte outscored did kind of return the favor to a lesser degree in the fourth quarter, besting the Warriors 28-21, to but by that point, the damage had already been done. But overall, uh, the Hornets just struggling at times to get their offense going and defensively uh, smarting without that anchor there at the back end. Certainly we saw moments from certain players, but overall not the level of play we needed to see. Biggest issue for me as a team, uh, you can look at a couple of different stats, but I think the two that really separated the Warriors from the Hornets in this one, one is rebounding. Charlotte out-rebounded by nine in total, by six on the offensive glass. Too many second-chance opportunities. We talk about it a lot during the regular season. The team who wins the field goal attempts battle by a wide margin has a huge advantage. That happened against the Warriors. Golden State attempting 78 field goals compared to 69 for Charlotte, and the uh, free-throw disparity in terms of attempts not nearly enough for the Hornets to make up for that. The other was just plain three-point shooting, and I thought the Warriors did a better job moving the ball to generate higher quality looks, but they knocked down a lot more of them too. 14 for 39 were the Warriors from deep. That's 35%. Charlotte goes 3 for 20, just 15%. And overall on the two games in Sacramento, shoot just 24% from three. That's not going to be enough to get it done. 
Yeah, for me, the three-point shooting was probably the biggest disparity. You mentioned it, 36% is a percentage for Golden State. Doesn't look like much, but they were also 14 to 39 from beyond the arc. So in typical Warriors fashion, they were just chucking them up from beyond the arc. And kind of in what we've seen as of late from the Hornets over the last season or so, just, again, not very good from beyond the arc, just 3 of 20. Didn't hit a three-pointer until there was about 50-some seconds left to go in a third quarter as well. So, yeah, not very good from a three-point standpoint for the Hornets. But, I mean, there were definitely some flashes. I thought that fourth quarter from Charlotte, again, a little too late, but I thought they played well. They could have really just mailed it in after that third quarter when they were down uh, 77 to 55 after three quarters of play. But they come back, they shoot almost 58% from the field in that fourth quarter alone, hit a couple of threes, were perfect at the free-throw line. So, I thought it was a good job from Charlotte's standpoint, just trying to kind of build some momentum going into the Las Vegas portion of Summer League here in a couple of days by just building that momentum and building those good habits in the fourth quarter. One other big storyline I wanted to bring up here uh, before we get to our silver lining selections after the Hornets' 98-83 loss to the Golden State Warriors, I just would like to see a little bit more from some of the veterans in terms of either trying to take over a game or just using their experience to flat-out take over a game. I think there were moments there, but in each of the first two contests, you saw a veteran, either of the G League or the NBA, with lesser experience. Obviously, that's why they're playing in Summer League. They're not a, a necessarily an NBA regular by any stretch, but you saw someone come in and have a huge game and take things over. Lester Quinones did that in this last game for the Warriors. Credit to you, Rob Longo. He was your player to watch from Golden State. Uh, Not someone with a lot of NBA time on his resume. He was the G League most improved player as well as a G League all-rookie team selection from last season. So clearly got a lot of time playing at the uh, NBA adjacent level. But he's the one who came out and took over the game. 21 points. He was a plus 21 on the floor. The Warriors rookie, Brandon Pachimski, also had a really good game with 17 points and five steals, but he got more of the shot volume, not necessarily a better accuracy compared to Brandon Miller. It was the veteran Quinones who really set the tone. And I think for the Hornets, you know, you're looking at some okay stat lines from guys like Bryce McGowan's, from James Booknight, from Kai Jones over the first couple of games, but we're not seeing any of those players necessarily go for 18 to 20 or really put their mark on a game just yet. Uh, So that's something I'd like to see. Obviously, the focus is going to be on the elite draft pick, particularly Brandon Miller, but these guys have the time and experience in the NBA as well as the ability to really take over one of these games, and I'm anxious to see one of them do it. And I thought the one person, if you want to go into that camp, that had the ability to take over the game last night was Kai Jones. I mean, at halftime, he was 4-5 or five from the field. He had three steals, eight points, which doesn't look like a lot, but that was tied for a team high along with Amari Bailey. And Kai just did not have a very good first game here in California. He also did not have a very good first quarter last night as well. But something just seemed to click there in that second frame. I don't know if there was just one play or there was something that was said, but it looked like he really, really, really elevated his game especially on the defensive end where he was maybe a little bit late to a switch or two in the first quarter but in that second quarter he was active his hands were getting in passing lanes he ended up with a couple of steals like I mentioned and it created some offense for the Hornets and they went on a little bit of a run there in that second quarter and closed what it was a four-point deficit to I think they ended up taking the lead there early on in the second quarter as well I want to say it was like 23 to 20 unfortunately they went into the locker room down eight but again Kai Jones had that potential there in that second quarter didn't really do a whole lot in the 
second half, but he was a guy that I was maybe looking at, and of course I had him as my player to watch going into this one, and it just didn't pan out, but that is a guy that I think has the ability to take over a game like you talk about in a summer league that is a little bit more of a veteran. Yeah, the one I had circled for this one was James Booknight, and there, there was a little bit of a feel there for a while in this Warriors game as to the final game of the regular season last year where Booknight knocked down a three and it against Cleveland in Cleveland, kind of turned things for the Hornets. They ended up going to the win, and it was a game where Charlotte just shot terribly from three until Booknight knocked one down, and then the floodgates kind of opened. And uh, similarly in this one, we were waiting and waiting. Uh, unfortunately, it took a little too long for those gates to open and the Hornets to finally get rolling from three but book night a tough day shooting from three hopefully he's got better days on the horizon for him coming up in las vegas coming up next here on the hornet Topcast, our silver lining selections that's next here on the hhc Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a Silver Linings edition. Hornets falling 98-83 to to the Golden State Warriors. Before we get to our Silver Linings selections, a reminder, we are not ignoring free agency altogether, even though by the time you're listening to this podcast, the moratorium will have been lifted. It's not by the time we're recording it, so we're not ignoring things on purpose. We'll have thoughts on free agency and who is on the Hornets roster uh, heading into the 23-24 season a little bit later. But for now, let's continue to talk about the loss to the Golden State Warriors in Sacramento, 98-83. Rob Longo, Rob Rules Apply, you get to select your Silver Linings player first. Yeah, I think the easy one here is the guy that had the leading points for the Hornets, and that was off the bench. That was Amari Bailey. He finishes with a team-high 17 last night, uh, goes for four rebounds as well, 6-9 and nine from the field. Perfect at the free-throw line, which is a great turnaround. He was 5-5. Five five. I think he was just 2-7 from the charity strike the other night against San Antonio. Ends up being a plus 17 in about 17 and a half minutes out there on the floor. I would absolutely love to see him get an expanded role at some point in Las Vegas. I don't care what team it's against. I would love to see him get to start and see what he is capable of. I don't mean that to take away from anybody else, but I just want to see more of Amari Bailey. Again, second round pick has a lot of length. They were talking about it on the broadcast yesterday in Summer League in Sacramento about how he has the ability to be a really, really good defensive player just because of his length as a guard. And I just would like to see more of him. And maybe we're going to see that in Las Vegas in a couple of days. But Amari Bailey is clearly my silver lining performance from last night's game. I thought he was the easy pick. I agree with you, Rob. 17 points in 17 minutes. Peak efficiency, a 6-for-9 from the floor, 5-for-5 from the free throw line. It just makes all of the easy, kind of simple plays. And even though he's someone who was the leading scorer coming off the bench, doesn't necessarily have a a strut or a bravado to him out there on the floor, not that he's not confident. I mean that to say, you know, he's just kind of focused on making the right plays, letting the game come to him, and it came really easily. That athleticism that he has that made him a top-10 recruit going into his one-and-done year at UCLA was evident. He can play above the rim at times, particularly for a guard, and has that length to stretch into passing lanes, but overall, just really, really smart play from Amari Bailey. I'm with you. I think, you know, less so in a he needs to take over for someone else, more so in a similarity to like what we saw from Bryce McGowan's last season. You know, he's getting opportunities, he's making the most of them, he's earning more of them, and so while there are players that need to get more minutes out there for the Charlotte Hornets in Summer League, and I would contend that Amari Bailey as a 
second round pick from this most recent draft is one of them, I think he is deserving of more opportunities as well. For my silver lining selection, I'm going to go with Nick Smith Jr. I thought we saw him get more comfortable out there from a scoring standpoint. Second leading scorer on the team at 14 points. He didn't have an inefficient game, just didn't have a really great game in terms of efficiency. Amari Bailey, 6 for 9. That pops off the score sheet. Nick Smith Jr., 6 for 13. Not bad. And as the pseudo point guard out there for the team, there's a lot of possessions where if things are winding down, he finds the ball in his hands. He's asked to create and make a more difficult shot for himself that rather than you know launch a hand grenade to somebody else. So I, I thought the shooting percentage was fine. 1 for 4 from 3. That's not a exactly what you want but as we talk about a lot when you look at these kind of stat lines when you only take four threes making one more is saying for Nick Smith he'd be 50% all this is some brilliant game one for four I'm not going to harp on it I thought his shot selection was pretty good and I don't think his shooting was too far off of having a really strong night in terms of percentage most importantly for me assist to turnover ratio Four assists, two turnovers. That's really solid out there. But I'm with you. I think far and away, Amari Bailey was the star of the game for the Hornets. When you lose by 15 and you have anyone on your side that's plus 17, that's a great sign. But when he also was your leading scorer, scoring 17 points, that's even better. Uh, So Bailey, definitely the star for Charlotte in Sacramento. That's going to do it for this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. One last reminder coming up in our next edition of the HHC, we finally get to talk about free agency. The shackles are off, Rob Longo, just the ones left to the desk there for you. I guess I can't get everything in life, but I'll take what I can get. We are looking forward to talking about Hornets free agency and uh, how the dust's going to settle in terms of the Hornets moving forward towards the 23-24 season. Obviously, certainly some things to be very excited about if you are a Hornets fan, which we'd imagine you are since you're tuned into the Hornets Hivecast. We appreciate it as always. Much appreciated the services of Rob Longo. Again, Thanks for joining us in this uh, post-4th of July edition of the HHC, Rob. Pleasure as always. Thanks to all of you as well for tuning in. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We will talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.